right, we're ready to call the meeting to order. Another meeting for an action for the presentation. Okay, that's interesting. Thank you. Thank just the Vicky. So just just the first policy on the list. All right. Um, yes, I could call the roll. Shall I do that? So under the consent agenda. Okay. Um, I have so some corrections for the minutes. Here. Trustee Banerjee. Um, so Here. shall we? Trustee Charlotte. And also, Dr. Jamaluddin was called out as being at the meeting. He was not here, unfortunately. Um, but other than okay. that, that's uh, interesting. Thank you. Can we approve just them the and the minutes? Any just, just, just the first policy on the list. Second. All right. Um, are those in favor? Aye. So under the consent agenda, so no one is opposed. Uh, um, I have some corrections for the minutes. Um, oh, oh, so shall we? Did you? Um, that is Mensa who is going to help you with your... All right, moving on to medical staff and IT problems. Starting um, with Dr. Hearn. I'm sorry. Can um, I have a thank motion you. to, I'd, uh, to like approve to the consent agenda? I'd like to just give some updates as to what the medical executive committee has been uh, doing at the court. Um, um, we are pleased to announce okay, that uh, Mr. Chapman and uh, much of the administration, as well as uh, in conjunction with the med staff leaders, are very close to um, approving and implementing a surge plan. This is incredibly important for hospital overload, and this has been a process that we've been hoping for for over two decades, but it's finally actually very close to coming to fruition over the with the work uh, of administration and uh, and the med staff leaders over the last six months probably since we first started calling our internal disasters um, and uh, it's a really interesting um, literature-based plan that takes into account so there's a interesting scoring system that shows the ED overload um, that's a national, basically it's based on a national scoring system it's called the national it's NEDOC's National Emergency Department overcrowding score so there's a NEDOC score that's calculated and then at various levels of um, crowding different things come into effect and different departments have their sort of their individual search plans so really excited that that is taking off um, in addition our MEC has voted to launch a uh, burnout um, inventory that we are going to um, uh, we're spending about $10,000 to survey all of the medical staff uh, providers uh, since burnout is very prevalent in the, in the literature uh, and it seems to be an increasing issue with, uh, with medical providers we're um, we're committing some of our medical staff uh, meager budget uh, to actually studying this um, on an individual level um, and providing that feedback to both department chairs and division chiefs uh, to get a sense of like, which departments are in greater have greater need. And then uh, Delvecchio and I have, have started a wellness task force uh, that involves Mr. Moy, Tony Redmond, uh, as well as some physician leaders to try to come up with, um, as well as that there's a wellness um, uh, person who uh, is, is employed by AHS uh, to try to come up with ways to further provide um, support and wellness to our physician providers. 
um, those are the main issues that have been going on. We have our ongoing department chair searches that are happening, um, the OBGYN chair searches for the midstream, as is our psychiatry chair. Our anesthesia chair just started 10 days ago, um, and he's hit the ground running, doing a great job. Um, and the surgery chair search is going to start in full force in a few more weeks. It started, but uh, the interviews will actually start in August and September. Um, that, uh, we are creating processes to do leadership development for our various chairs uh, and division chiefs uh, with the help of uh, Dr. Jamaladi. Um, and that's all I have for open session. Does the term surge mean overcrowding? I mean, it's a term I don't know. So is that, is that, the, is that what that means? Is it dealing with, with an overcrowded situation? Yes. There, there are two ways of, of approaching overcrowding. One is a sort of static uh, overcrowding situation that is an ongoing um, measure where it's a slow, um, slow buildup of admitted patients. And then there's a true surge, which is more seen as like an NCI type of situation. If we, there's a bus rollover or something like that, and we suddenly get 20 patients all at once or 15 patients and all traumas, then that can send us into this kind of category. And that's the one that you're working on? We're working on both. You're working on both. Yeah. The, the other question I had about uh, the health of burnout, and you said you were going to assess it. Are you assessing it via surveying or individual conversation? Survey. So there's a, there's a validated it's score, it's called the Maslow Burnout Inventory, the MBI, and that's a national so burnout that, survey, and it the, takes into account three different areas. One is, is depersonalization, with, with an overcrowded situation? Um, and it's a national, yes. um, it's been validated, it's been implemented in a number of different settings. Um, the Mayo Clinic has used it a lot to actually help their situation. For, for medical professionals, uh, but not for board members. Slope build up. You're welcome to it. Survey. So there's a, there's a, we are validated for psychiatry and OBGYN and general surgery, and that's a national burnout survey, and it takes into account three different areas. One is 12 depersonalization, et cetera. I just wanted to add that the Institute of Health Improvement just on Tuesday released a new white paper on physician burnout, and they have really good approaches for medical professionals, representing the things to look at. Thank you. You're welcome to it.
I just wanted to add that uh, the Institute of Healthcare Improvement just on um, Tuesday released okay. a new um, white paper on physician burnout, and they have really good sorry. approaches on that. So um, put that in Joe, your repository of things to look yes. at. Okay, so uh, our MEC has. Uh, the Sanyandral Hospital and we had seven initial appointments that uh, uh, um, work for a few months for our and, uh, what, put in a few uh, sorry uh, sentences uh, please disregard my
added um, to the same token we are the community so when the board initially being discussed um, or its plan to is the desire to have it uh, expressed by the medical uh, staff uh, uh, let me have a sign because it was the new critical part of the has been added to the initiatives in the sideboard but one question that we have that will be the responsibility the administrator um, is, it, is there a date which you are going to give to be the doctor when this is finalized so that the uh, email, I mean, do you know? Well, so I believe that we're going to be having a meeting next week, and I will certainly um, be in contact with Dr. Magalong as soon as we've had our, our conversation. So I think I would be like to provide an update with the next okay. week. Can one of you help with that? Sure. So that, um, there's a meeting with myself and um, Dr. Pernia and um, Paula Bavaria to talk about this. Um, this was there's um, no reason added to um, the critical coming year. This is not when it was initially being discussed um, for this program. The desire to be the end. So I don't know the medical staff of the It was not signed. Dr. Magalona, I understood there has been a regulation that's necessarily being part of the process making classes by responsible so that's what I'm going to do. I would be happy to have them going. Is there a date that you expect for individuals to be part of the Alameda Hospital Medical Staff? There will. So I've asked for the meeting. They don't necessarily have committee privileges. So our meeting next week and I will certainly be in contact with Dr. Thank you. We are going to post those positions and see how we can operationalize uh, uh, should the workflow, uh, uh, the mentioning part, I mean, this should not be a problem. If you have someone from that, that outside that acute care that this is not because certainly this is not secretly about what is the appropriate SBU special program the island like so I don't know if that'll be a visual I understood that they just want to know who it is we don't want to go through the discussion is how we're going to operationalize this primary care so that's how we're going to be able to recruit I would be happy to have two FTEs and we would expect those individuals to be part of the Alameda Hospital medical staff or and, and they don't necessarily have admitting privileges so yeah. 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 right now the positions and the and uh, see how we can operationalize under the uh, medical staff the, the workflow uh, the surgeons the mentioning the part and it should not be a problem because practicing outside the acute care the discussion really, nothing to discussion is how we're going to operationalize this and how we're going to be able to medical staff to having access to as I recall, in the previous discussion about the clinic, we're looking for internal medicine as opposed to family practice, and I think that that's kind of a factor into whether or not they're going to want admitting privileges. 
to is the GI podiatrist um, uh, in those similar to urology, um, where there's to a, urology, a problem with taking cars and have a lack of we have a GI physician. We actually are arriving on the conversation right now with the physician who we believe will start taking all kinds of So the contracting team is working on that right now. I think that will go a long way towards addressing the concerns of medical staff and the overall situation. And we have to We actually have a plan to address GI both of the community hospitals with Dr. Kamaladeen as a with regard to the, those specialties and, and the issues, division, is GI come up and present to us. similar to urology, where there's a, it's a, a problem with taking call, or is it just um, a lack of is the interim um, chair? We, we, no, no, it's not. Uh, we have a GI uh, physician that's uh, providing coverage and services, but he's by himself. And so um, we so I just wanted to start by saying thanks very much to Dr. Zorthian and, and um, the president and members of the board for asking us to come. It's hard to be here. Can you not hear me? And I also wanted to do some brief team member introductions. Yeah. All right. As so you can see, I brought a team, which I was encouraged to do. Thank you. So I'm Sophie Shapel. I'm one of the OBGYN physicians. I've been here in Highlands since 2004. Thanks to Michelle, we decided to embark on this journey 
of information on their designation. And it started about just very briefly making assumptions about what people know already in the room. Talking about what baby family is, what it means. Baby family is
registered dietitian or IBCIC actually, actually evaluating and seeing we give formula only and only if it's medically necessary. I used to work for the Islamic Association for a long time and now I work for the United States that doesn't have paid leave as a country and don't have paid leave. So there are a lot of other things that go into that. But WIC was a because it came out of the population that you were, but WIC is doing in California incredible job outside the hospital to support us. And policy change of those problematic issues of formula and the casino for WIC to how do you balance giving formula to, you know, and to the solution best respiration go out comes out of WIC. I can see that. When I was in training, we see a sort of uh, you know, the automatic insurance of family in the first as so the you have a registered dietitian or IBCLC actually evaluating and seeing you give formula only and only if it's medically necessary. You know, moms have issues, they both have to work. You, we deal with a population that doesn't have paid leave. As a country, we don't have paid leave. So there are a lot of other things that go into that. But um, it is true that one, one, one of our podium uh, lactation consultants works for WIC, and we just finished uh, a dietitian to just rest us and that work. Policy change of meals, the classic issues of formula in the first yes. month yeah. made a big difference. Just see the rates of breath. <laughs> Initiation and duration go up with that. So, a couple other things I want to mention on this slide. When I was in training for the first time this year, this baby friendly designation is also tied to dollars. They have really evolved as in the case of prime This is one of our prime measures that we've been asked to meet and hope to meet this year and for the next five. Um, it's also um, become a political imperative. Um, Senate Bill 402 was passed in 2013, um, and it stated that all hospitals with perinatal units need to adopt an infant feeding policy. That started in January of 2014. Also states that by 2025, uh, these hospitals will have to adopt the steps in the right training, either via a dietitian friendly route or an alternate based route. So we're well ahead of the curve when it comes to that. Um, but the reason we're here today is that we, um, our designation is expiring, and we have a site visit scheduled in just about three yeah, short weeks. Yeah. Um, so, so a couple other things I want to mention on this slide. I know you all um, probably know this already, but for um, the first time this so year, in order to attain um, baby-friendly designation, and the tie to designate, a hospital has to first implement these time steps. This is one of our prime measures that again is tasked to meet in your slide packet. If you're interested in the next five details, it's also become a political already. Um, we sent a bill for it to be with in 2013. And then undergo um, this very rigorous two-day survey um, units looking to adopt in depth into the knowledge and practice of our staff in 2014. Also states that by 2025, so August 22nd um, these hospitals will have to adopt the 10 steps to successful breastfeeding, either um, via the baby-friendly and breach or an alternate evidence-based route. So we're well ahead of the interviewing and calling patients to perform. But the reason we're here today is that we our designation is expiring, and we have a site visit scheduled as part of the about three short weeks. Happening. Um, so I just wanted to share with you some of the work that's being done. We'll be conducting chart audits. We'll review our breastfeeding. So in order.
in detail. Um, that would back in case, three months of our financial statements to first implement these 10 steps to successful breastfeeding. Um, again, those 10 um, steps are in the entire facility to evaluate the areas where the details meeting families might Once we feel those 10 steps are in place and we're ready, we then invite the Baby Friendly USA survey team and then undergo this very rigorous two-day survey looking in depth into the knowledge and practice of our staff and experience of our patients. We don't have any sort of deal where we're getting this is happening um, August 22nd and 23rd. Most surveyors will be here. Most hospitals actually give formula for free, and that's one of the bigger issues with baby friendly calling tips that we don't. And part of that is that sort of just in case bottle that she spoke to already that if you go home with formula, you're far more likely to use it. And it's not just the formula itself, but any chart audits, if you are breastfeeding policy in detail, they'll look back at three months of our financial statements to confirm that we actually pay fair market value for infant formula. Um, and then tour the entire facility to evaluate um, so I think any that's areas my last where patients and families might be in the pocket of the emergency department. There's a really tiny uh, to a really great um, baby friendly wrap. Most hospitals actually give formula. It was actually produced by one of the California issues with COVID by the California Breastfeeding Coalition. We do actually have our own wrap star bottles here. And already that her video as well. She's a lactation consultant and she does a video called Teach Me How to Breastfeed, which is lovely. So it's also very worth watching, notably all over the world. It's been the best. Did they showed it at the A1 She's a lactation consultant, and she does a, she has a video called Teach Me How to Breastfeed, which is lovely. So it's also very worth watching. Notably, um, often easier to just bring in a bottle. Didn't you say they showed it at the A1 conversation and go through the process of really educating the patient about why that's not a good idea? Our biggest challenges are around the culture 
Center that we struggle with. Um, being on call 24-7 for our colleagues in the emergency department. Um, it's a lot easier really when a baby is all over the crying and the mother thinks it's because the baby's hungry and she doesn't have any milk because it's for breastfeeding. She's only 24 hours postpartum and she's not supposed to have any milk. It's often easier to just bring in a bottle because that's what moms think she needs to have the conversation and go through the process of really educating the patient about why that's not a good idea or any other issues. Or they might go in for some pretty significant challenges in terms of having an acute post-stitis and their breastfeeding. All of those patients do all the education lactation of our staff that's required. And if they're readmitted to the hospital, whether it's for an OB-related or lactation-related issue, all of any other medical issue, we have to show the baby policy in place to ensure that both staff and patients can remain together and as mom is medically And that's all being done by our lactation specialists in addition to all the inpatient rounding um, being on call 24-7 for our colleagues um, in the emergency department and the ICU. I mean, they really travel all over the hospital to help um, uh, mom baby dyads who are readmitted with issues for breastfeeding or encouraging breastfeeding. That trained volunteers might help the process. So as moms go into the ED all the time, either with direct lactation issues, mastitis or breast abscess or any other issues, or they might go I'm just going to say really briefly that there's sort of need um, a, a surgery for maybe polycystitis, okay, like good enough, and then there's all of those Excellent. patients pretty and much I think we're um, striving have a lactation for a done here. And if they're uh, readmitted to the hospital, whether it's for a OB-related or lactation-related issue or any other medical issue, may not um, we have policies in place to ensure that moms and babies can remain together as mom is medically stable. So we're trying to disrupt that breastfeeding successful and have struggled with some of the issues, particularly looking at some of the resources that we have. Um, but uh, but uh, care, you know uh, that it's an interesting it's an uninformed so question. So we'll see from question and we actually have so multiple layers of consults with people who are what we call CLEs or certified lactation educators and those are folks that have about twenty hours of training and have been breastfeeding mothers themselves. Typically those trained folks either work for or volunteer for WIC, and so uh, a lot of them are interfacing with some of our patients and sending them in when they need a higher level of care. I would love for us to develop a program that was capable of training more lactation consultants and training all health care providers on lactation among the local populations in particular because in safety and facilities, we're often all they have in terms of skilled medical lactation support, um, question. So but uh, uh, it takes, you know, resources <laughs> to run those programs. Um, we actually um, have do multiple layers of consults with people who are, when they have care counseling, they're certified lactation educators and those are folks that have um, about 20 hours of training and have pictured in breastfeeding mothers themselves, training them as a site for folks, either work for WIC or volunteer for WIC, and so a lot of them are 
we are facing with some of our patients and sending them in when they have a higher level of care. I would love for us to develop a program that, to the best of our abilities, we're capable of training our lactation consultants regularly as staff training for all health care providers working alongside our community lactation populations in particular because in safety facilities, we're often all they have in terms of skilled medical lactation support. Friendly uh, process was a grant that I wrote. It takes um, when I was a fellow to run California programs. Foundation and so yes, have it is about for a grant. So when they have your counselors available, they have to come on to our time. I worked with family on our did pictured in for what counseling training several years ago and with your counselors to come in to continue to baby patients and they sort of after discharge, they have a lot of lactation that they work with. So there are programs, and we do participate to the best of our abilities. We go to the LMA County Breastfeeding Coalition regularly as a staff, and so that keeps us working alongside our community lactation partners. This seems to be a new life, so others who actually speak the language like health support managers, and so there's a lot of support was a grant that I wrote um, when I was a fellow for the California Healthcare Foundation. It is about for a grant. You also have to write it. But it takes a lot of time. I've worked with the Micaela on one that we did for Eastmont several years ago. And I would love to continue that process. that is an excellent question, and I would say the best thing about our lactation program is that it comes from our community, and what that means is that in most hospitals, lactation consultants are RN IBCLCs, and we purposely wrote our program so that we hire non-RN IBCLCs who are community trained, so that we could offer positions once we obtain baby friendly designation to folks that helped us along the way, and that's part of the training as well. In fact, I mean, that's one of our main questions when we interview anybody and ask folks about their experience and where they worked and what. You know, couple questions. Um, all, so all of those kinds of questions, but that's a, the so core foundation of how well balanced is the ethnic diversity of your right. peer counselors and, and your you lactation. You mentioned at the beginning that she would ask that question. That is an excellent question, and I would say the best thing about our lactation program is that it comes from our community. What I remember was that in most hospitals, a lactation consultants are following on IBCLCs, and we purposely wrote our program so that we hire non 
our NIBCLC for community trained so that we could offer positions once we uh, obtain baby food designation to folks that helped us along the way. And that's part of um, the, the, the training as well. And in fact, I mean, that's one of our main questions when we interview anybody. Um, we ask folks about their experience and um, where they worked and, and, and what. Um, you know, tired and all, all of those kinds of questions, but that's a founded, core foundation of, of our work, I would say. And also, you mentioned at the beginning about there being a financial gain connected now moving forward to, to, to the friendly baby. Just for the next five years, can you elaborate on what look like? Do you all know about prime? Okay. It's one of our prime metrics, so it's $530,000 or so. And the five years. Of course, we achieve our reduction. The pacifiers are locked up, too. And the pacifiers are locked up, too. So we started with one of the first programs starting, though, at our clinics, you know, during pregnancy, before the moms had to show up. It seems to me that. Getting them uh, is, and, uh, is really critical. I mean, one one of those first problem. two days were rough and changes mm -hmm. some of the the weakest thing. So one of the ten steps is that we provide prenatal education to all of our patients. So before so pregnancy, I would say not the, so much, but during pregnancy, patients who get in care in, in our system actually have a pretty broad checklist of topics that we are required to discuss with them and try to reiterate over the course of the pregnancy. And, you know, try to address it early if patients say, oh, no, I'm not I'm not planning on breastfeeding really. That's when we have the opportunity to really dig deep into yeah. that. That's why our midwifery managers very, very here, because the midwives and are and so much of our wonderful care. The pacifiers yeah. are locked there up too. Three thousand they seem to find their way. I mean, are we starting, every day we get to know starting though at our clinics during pregnancy before moms even show up. It seems to be like getting them positioned for these is really critical. So one of the ten so steps is that we provide prenatal education to all of our patients. So before pregnancy, I would say not so much, but during pregnancy, patients who get care in our system, we actually have a pretty um, broad checklist of topics that we are required to discuss with them and how to try to reiterate them over the course of the pregnancy and, you know, try to address it early if they should say, oh, no, I'm not, I'm not planning on breastfeeding early. That's when we have the opportunity. I just wanted to add real quick that our psychiatric program actually trains residents from children to stay around with us once a month.
um, once during their rotation, um, and we do sometimes refer patients to our outpatient programs. I just wonder one of the reasons that we get a little too close because we do have more on the agenda that I just wanted to add real quick that our lactation program actually trains residents for children around with us once a month, um, I'm sorry, once during their rotation, um, and sometimes refer patients to our outpatient programs. Yeah, that's true. And with marketing and promotion of materials, it would be really good to add that. It's something to be proud of. Sure you can actually do conservation from when it is initially designated. There's some Washington Hospital and AMF did do some across the base initially with us when we designated. So better than Sutter, better than Kaiser. Thank you very much. Are there any questions about that? And one of the reasons that I did ask that question is, you know, if, if we've achieved that designation or others have not. I mean, I think it's an important thing to be right. able to tell metrics, risk management, and we don't know what it means. So you sound business unit. That's easy. And marketing promotion materials would be really You can actually do search from when we initially designated there's some, and AMF did do some for work acute care initially with us when we designated. Our dashboard, and uh, so John and I have put you in the board and then um, Kathy O'Brien and Ben Johnson are going to speak to patient safety and risk, and of course um, Dr. Jamal Dean as well as uh, Kinsey are prepared to, to chime in as, as appropriate, and we welcome that. Um, John and I are sitting here spreading because uh, Dr. Schoen and her team are fighting for that follow-up. We'll try to regale you with that. So moving to the first page um, in your packet, this is the actual dashboard for the acute SBU. And the fiscal year 18 dashboard is, is very much aligned with this. This, this is the data for the fiscal year. It's kind of The fiscal is to present representing our strategic sustainability and quality experience. We Dashboard is a chart 
right, and then SBU. So the far right, you see the desired photos. And this is for fiscal year 17. So fiscal year 18 dashboard is down as the desired right look, for example, on average of the data for the fiscal year 18. The four photos that we are representing are access, sustainability, and quality of experience. We will walk through a few of these in a Again, moving across to the right, sustainability, the baseline, the year margin, for quality, we're looking at year 17, what the targets were, that will come out, performance in red, is led off as traction by more than 2%, with the age of PSI 90 rate, or above with that and there's a trend chart, and then, to the far right, you see the desired P, which is set for all and unbundled, and then we're going to see the diamond down as the desired direction, for example, on average every day. In the admit time, and that is consistent yeah. throughout the I'll start off with the uh, can, James, can I just dive into average this where it says a key uh, SBU dashboard is due to these current graphs. Remember, we have a quarter one. It is really your system, which includes uh, Highland Alameda and San Leandro. And then going clockwise, we have Highland and San Leandro specifically for average. When you look at any one of these graphs, pay attention to the color. The gray bars versus the gray bars. The gray bars is, you know, we believe we should be in terms of average length of stay based on our patient type and patient complexity. The colored bars are where we are. So as you can see for a system using June 2017 as an example, for the system, we look like we're at 4.8. Um, for the expected, we're about 4.3. So why don't we match? Well, there are a number of the, uh, variables, uh, and I'll cut off the average length of time, and I'll say the best so for the, last. Uh, well, the first one, obviously, is staff graphs. Graphs. As you know, you've heard in the previous part of the meetings, is one of the things we're doing here at Highland, and also at Highland Avenue Hospitals, is making sure and then seven going clockwise between Highland, San Leandro, and Alameda. So, obviously, if we don't have the PTOT medicine coverage on any one of these graphs, pay attention to the colored bars versus the gray bars. The gray bars the second uh, well, we believe that we should I think be excess in terms of average length of stay based on our patient type and patient placement. The other bars are where we are. Uh, on average, so as you can see, for a system using June 2017, for the system, we look like we're at 4.8 for this average length of stay. For the expected, we're about most patients off. And so, why don't you match? Kudos to our... Uh, care well, management there are a number of other towns that I'll cover on average about eight. Um, and I'll say the best for last. The first one, obviously, is staffing. As you know, you've heard in previous right. board of trustee meetings. But the, the third and the largest reason uh, that is making sure uh, we have we have seven day a week staff is based on case week day and So so obviously uh, if we don't have the volume medicine coverage on weekends like we do on weekdays, you have to lose a day or so because you may say that your average the second item that I think you're having a neurosurgery, you're working diligently on it, the brain it could be thirty days. 
I'm yeah, sorry, on the pass, <laughs> on average last year, it was high So we were averaging about 20 patients. One of the things that, that you'll see so and this is brought out on the slide here is averaging the system and again clockwise by side is the national average for CMI care management looks higher down to we're seeing on average about any of our sites with the exception for another two months. This is typically due to we're not optimizing the and the largest and reason, one of the reasons uh, why I think you heard uh, we have budget process is based on issues we have our documentation so improvement teams. Case mix index is basically to make sure we're optimizing what really needs to be documented. Perhaps so a comorbidity or a third or fourth literature may say wasn't listed when it should be. be and we feel if you are having placement, uh, neurosurgery, CMI, uh, and a weekend issue, your brain, you could definitely get close to this. Unless you're John McCain. One of the things that, that I don't know if you'll see is brought out on the slide here uh, showing the system and the length of the by side is the national average for CMI looks higher than what we're seeing the system wide at any of our sites with the exception for one or two months. This is typically due to we're not optimizing documentation. One of the reasons why I think a snapshot budget process that the initiatives we have are not the impact in anywhere from point to come in help us make sure we're optimizing what really needs to be documented. That's pretty simple. Perhaps a comorbidity or a fourth one. This is a very important question. And we have an working on patient placement, CMI, and the weekend issue. We'll definitely get us closer to that Yes. We have used and different measures. One was eliminate uh, like the because uh, people talk about it, but I don't know if I've ever seen the number and how it would affect the, the expected length of stay observed or expected. If we just eliminated those patients that are here, patients who are staying and we are waiting for services outside the hospital, and we only looked at. So, it up. so uh, there are two ways. One is to eliminate the one to We did about a year ago, we took a snapshot that we had for the utilization and it looked like it impacted anywhere from the team to they have three what we call administrative uh, in other words, the patients for us for some this is a very important question, John. Do you have a team tracks it because you need to know when insurance cuts off, right. so she's correct. Right. So, so they tried this and uh, we, we have used different measures. One is to uh, eliminate like the, uh, we, call, uh, we call them preventable admissions. Uh, and uh, team has been working on uh, the medications uh, and Patients who are staying and we are waiting for services outside the hospital. So, there are two ways. One is to typically, if you look at it, there's a variety, but the largest one seems to be a patient in the skilled nursing facility who has a behavioral comorbidity. They have what we call administrative other words, very, very patients who are staying here just for and, and, and that's very 
this is what you track. Track this all. I think Sheila's team does. Sheila's team tracks it because you need to know when insurance cuts off. Right. So she's tracking it. So they track this, and we had some improvement. I don't know the most recent number, but we had some improvement in the list that usually are discharged. Sheila's team has been working very actively in the I would say the second category, and that's the most difficult of the There's a patient who shows up in the ED who's homeless, who never applied for any insurance, has no coverage. Many times we have to wait for Medi-Cal coverage to kick in, which is anywhere from 30 to 60 days. Typically, because it's a facility, but we have the largest one of this needs to be a patient needing a skilled nursing facility who has a behavioral so one of the things that we've seen very, very working collaboratively within the continuum of the Program post acute care has been working on patients that very diligently to create a transition opportunities to get patients out of the acute care setting, and they really are not appropriate. And anybody who's ambulatory and can take care of themselves, even if they're homeless, they usually are discharged. In year 15, there were eight patients who went from San Leandro to the acute rehab program, and this is not in your practice. I would say the second category of that is the most difficult. In fiscal year 16, there were 35 patients from San Leandro to the acute rehab Many times we have to wait for Medi-Cal coverage to kick in, which is anywhere from 30 to 60 days, because a skilled nursing facility can get in there, so that's something that we have done internally. That's right. I'm only talking about placements. So one of the things that we've seen progress in is working collaboratively within the continuum of the Alamo. So Rich just knows that you're right in the back area. It makes sense for us to the working very diligently to transitional opportunities to get patients out of the education when they really are not appropriate for these people. And that's been differential. Another thing that we've seen is on the San Leandro in fiscal year 15, there were eight of the day when San Leandro said there were three outliers. And this is not just months. We were talking about the cost of that. In fiscal year 16, there were 35 patients. With that being said, I mean, it makes sense. We've seen them to start working more on the rotations and solutions to the system. This is good that we're just making it easier, especially with adding that I understand exactly what that's saying. And we have been done with interrogations that we make sure we're spacing things at the right level. But we found not many skilled nursing facilities that are willing to keep on and your point is well taken. Uh, sitting in strategic planning meetings, we are looking at that. What are we doing with the space after rehab moves over to San Should that be expansion? The second issue, growing up the um, the issue of documentation, especially as it relates to probably to your DRG. And at the end of the day, if you're not in on the mint of the DRG, as well as the cost of that, how it impacts the
we have I do retrospective reviews, but mostly to try and justify a day that the nurses were comment able because to find the, uh, there was uh, this comment that was said about having more access been in house in where we I just want to document and Essentially, it boils down to going to the unit and knowing every patient's what are they 
you know, I understand what you're after, and I think we could provide that. We can get come close and say, if we took out all administrative days, what would our average length of stay look like? The only caveat to that, there are short stays if people have three or four days. We aren't on administrative. We may stay another two days and that's good, too. I won't catch that one, those ones, but the longer stays we can.
is the system. So as the system is a little bit over, and as you move to the right, clockwise on our data, you can see what happens. Then we really have no way of deciding that. And you can see how that played out. So those ones that come back to us right away. We're doing a lot of work around readmission. And we're drilling down to look at what's being discharged home. We're going to be discharged still. And we're trying to authorize that as well to minimize the emergency tracks in hospital. So for example, at San Diego, we're using a once the parts of about this, the running systems are doesn't matter whether they admit incredibly successfully reducing that. You see them, we know this is happening, but the challenge is that they're really in studio. So it's outside the Alameda Health I would refer to our resident expert in social determinants of health, Dr. Schmidt. Those ones that come back to us right now, Right, and the social determinants of health play such a huge role in this. I can't tell you how many times I'm looking at the emergency loss off application. And I see a patient last week in the notes. They didn't take the medications. There was no post-care resources to make sure that they were helping. That's a huge one. Approach. They're going to use a score called the modified race score. It's a little more screening for things like food insecurity and the social determinants of health to really figure out which of those things are not only the clinical determinants, but a social determinant of health. I think your question was sort of what strategies work. Um, I think really trying to identify, um, putting patients, identifying the triggers for readmission and risk, um, both in terms of factors, so people with COPD, which is a respiratory problem, with this patient population, CHF, I think there are um, opportunities to reduce the readmission. The way people are typically looking at is like, first of all, having a great so um, the medications have some discharge plans. So we can look at heart failure in general. Um, James has taken medication a little bit, but um, our of their expanding their care transitions approach. They're going to use and a so called you know, that becomes a problem so for people who have to take this medication and then go around like town where they're very and the social determinants of health. But with bathrooms, you can get arrested for patients on the street. Not only have a medication adherence, but a social determinant of health. An understanding of their social network. But I think your question was for sort of what strategies work. I think really trying to identify the basics really come into play. Getting patients identifying the past treatment others have really been focusing on the idea of if you had a really great discharge plan with the factors or people with COPD, CHF, there's an increasing HIV issue and why do people have to take 12 different medications? Really is the number one reason for admission and readmission. You know, we should really determine a patient's ability to diagnose. So how to prioritize? So our care management team across the system. 
they really pulls the water out of their each lungs, and they basically see to have to urinate it out. Which and so, you know, that becomes a problem for people who have to take this medication and then go around towns where there are very few public bathrooms and you get arrested for urinating on the street. So medication adherence becomes very important, an understanding of their social network. And definitely, you know, as we looked at our food insecurity options, many hospitals housing and transportation, the basics really come into play, and I think in the past, trying to have a really focusing on the idea of if you had a really great discharge plan, the counties are piloting the provision. And now we see, because of the Affordable Care Act and others, there's increasing recognition and pressure to look at the social behavior of those. Here, clinically speaking, I think we have seen, you know, which one determines the multi-city as a team, the Toronto prioritize. The dad team for us, our care management team, across the system, especially now looking at the ecology of tremendous increasing score to see which patients are at risk. And this is a pharmacist. For um, you know, only 30% of patients are more assistance. Most are seen through the pharmacist who really goes through how to take those medications, how to adjust the medications and such a way so that the side the arms of special transportation and housing um, and discharge um, prepared meals and follow up with medication and things like that to the, the social network. Um, here, clinically speaking, I think um, we've the seen the plan a lot of improvements with that multi-disciplinary team, well, for, for the, the trauma team, discharge for that team is much more likely to everywhere, especially in the military. So, in Alameda, what has been happening in the demonstration was when we bring patients back, and it's a pharmacist. You know, the and and that's really just how to be reaching out to those to those patients have been discharged either from the ER or the hospital either the care managers the community demonstrated a lot of overuse what might be called overuse of the ER for several admissions over a certain period and having the paramedics actually to visit the organization Especially for transportation and housing, make a visit and look around the house, make medications and things like that. Hoarding, that the medications are available, that there's water, et cetera, et And then ask them how the person they can help them see their doctor range transportation for the post-discharge follow-up to be much more likely to round up and be admitted. What in Alameda, what is the NAP program is so great, and in addition, our care transition team is also making home visits, so our interventions with the community health worker and that's really just sort of what targeting and reaching out to those because of the people, those my patients, and have been discharged either from the ER or from the hospital, from either have demonstrated a lot of overuse, what might be called overuse of the ER, or several admissions over a certain period, and having the paramedics and the fire department visit where these are specially trained paramedics make a visit, look around the house, make sure that there's not hoarding, that the medications are available, that um, there's patients, water, there's so many things that they have to master. And then ask them how to, and they can help them to, you know, arrange their, their networks, their ability to get work in that position, to have a real 
So we have tried to give people meals. Um, we have provided yeah, I think that education is so great. And in addition, our care transitions team is also making home visits. So our care manager with the community health worker, you know, looking at they have other challenges or they sort of what the patient measuring their body in the way that they come to the clinic with me with my patients, and we have a handoff, personal attention sometimes. And so I think the role of the medical Different team members Technically, we're supposed to be out of here in 15 minutes. But, uh, I just want to make a statement for the report, and I don't need the which was raised by the medical staff. We do that too. Is there some questions for the accuracy of the report that we have, which was shown to us? Um, because the lack of stay and the admission rates are definitely much higher than what we're seeing. There's so many things that they have to master. Many of them call into question their networks, their ability to get Okay, so I know um, and, um, we're losing time, so I'm going to run through the patient research. Let me remind you, because it is a busy slide, but it has a wealth of information. So this is the HCAPS slide. For those of you who know what HCAPS stands for, I have to thank you again. The Hospital Consumer Assessment of Healthcare Providers and Systems. So this is how we measure ourselves against other hospitals. You can see why this is a better to an acute SBU. We want to know the patient experience. You see nine different graphs, and these are the nine different categories that are measured by age caps. The first paragraph using the top one where it says rate the hospital and you can purpose hyphen, blues, alameda, advantages, San Leandro. And then you see some of this is RPGDB. These are all hospitals that are hyphen-based, the best can you And the final bar graph is comparing us to our calorie-losing-calorie-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing-losing
we so have opportunity of communication with nurses. Some institutions are doing it. Responsiveness of hospital staff. Communication with the doctors overall as a system. We're higher than our peer groups. Hospital environment. We take a good leap forward. Transfer Center Initiative um, is huge. It's really been great in the way that we're now getting more patients into acute rehab. We're getting patients into a skilled level of care in a more timely fashion. It's clear that that's an area working on appropriate discharges within the right time frame. So we're very excited about the progress that we made. There are a lot more. That's something that John and I work on and have talked daily about how we patients within our facilities across the continuum. So I hope you're all well pleased with that. Uh, we show our hospital uh, system, and we want to thank Kinsey, of course, and her nursing staff and her providers who make a big difference for us on any given day. James is going to finish up more patient capacity. And I would heard earlier talk about the ED service time, but certainly patient flow again has been touched on. Dr. Hearn talked about the fact that the patients being lost in your opinion, so they're moving patients to and about their passion. Again, I won't walk through each of them, but just one of the transfer center initiatives is key. It's really the way to make sure that we are moving patients in a timely fashion. We are now getting more patients to hear how the trustee is talking about skilled levels of care, making sure that we are having a seven-day case management team working on appropriate discharges in the right time frame. So we're very excited about the progress that we've made. There are a lot yeah, more to come. That's a common John theme that we're talking about. Daily, about how to actually stay, readmissions, and courses across the continuum. Um, Interfacility transfers, um, Highland to okay. community hospital. Next slide. We try to keep um, gives you some information that you can look on. So we were there. So on your own, but it gives you the numbers you were to the community. So I would point out um, that on average, uh, the patients that we uh, transfer over to San Leandro now range anywhere from 60 to 100. It depends on where we are with group patients. So, for example, this week, again, I want to walk through each of them. Our ER has been banging since we've got a number of beds. And just this week, we transferred over, I think, up to 18 trustees talking about Monday through Wednesday. So, making sure that we are being a partnership I have with the community hospitals to help relieve that that compression. We're very happy with. Yeah, you can see the combat thing is actually a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little bit this bank gives you some information that you can look on the transfer center, and so they'll be able to get a black time. It gives you the numbers you order for bed status. And for every point out that on average, patients that we transfer over the center and out to the other range anywhere from 60 to 100. So we're excited about the implementation. It depends on where we are with throughput. So, for example, this week, I think we have a net here. Our ER has been banging. We've had a number of admits. 
And just this week, we've transferred over, uh, I think we're up to 13 just uh, For those Monday, Wednesday. So, is the, is the, the partnership I have with community hospitals to help relieve that, uh, that compression, we're very happy with it. With friends like John, I don't know what it is actually a, a, good, a good relationship. We've had great progress. One of the things we're going to be starting very soon is a bed board. So, there is a bed board module in Meditech. And so, what you can see is this this bed board will make to um, the transfer center, so they'll be able to get a, a, a view of what is the best status of the community-based hospitals, and then obviously there's still the interaction piece, the nursing supervisors will have to talk, and now it's a more important conversation because they're looking at the same status, so we're excited about the implementation of this. I wasn't sure on this. I think we have a net here to talk a little bit about PSI nightly, right? If you take a look at this, um, what does that mean as far as number of people um, that have been harmed? For those of you who are not familiar, PSI like there are 29 harmed on um, the score that have fell into this composite. Yes. Yeah, those occurred in the hospital, right? San Pedro and Alameda. Um, and the reason that so the National chose these types of harms is that they feel that they are the most sick. have the most opportunity to prevent them from occurring. To really look at that. Um, and so what you can see is a driving factor there that has to be the mostly um, with is an indicator for all acute care admits. And we see that over time, especially in so the address that quarters, we have successfully addressed this number in collaboration with physicians that we are starting to work just around rising the percentile. So we will make sure that the most current best on this it's, it's like a time in the rate because you want to have a shorter time. to the rate. I'm sorry to interrupt. Okay. I've been trying to figure out what, how, how you came up with that rate. Does that take a look at the number of patients? Um, that what does that mean as far as number of It's a very complicated calculation. It takes into account to this deposit. Each of the measures that make it up has a weight that Alameda. It's like a composite. So the national, you take your district expected to multiply it by the rates out of that. But everybody's using that same yeah, yes, logic exactly. to come up with that. Well, what's really interesting about it, of the 13 or so forth, they weigh some more heavily than others. Yes. And the reason they do that, physicians um, have started to work on revising current guidelines. Make sure that we have the most current best practice current ones, and they do it based on the frequency. So the more they see a harm rate, I'm sorry, the patient might have your opinions in the measures. And so the number of patients that have this weight, because everybody's struggling with it, so it's not surprising that it takes into account the observability and then each of the measures that we're going to go. But you know, look at the four in San Leandro, five in Alameda. But everybody's using that same yeah, yes, logic exactly. to come up with that. But what's really interesting about it, of the 13 or so far, it was some more heavily than others. The reason they do that in this current, before before this this came, they couldn't calculate that it's 40. In this current one, so complex. They do it based on the frequency. So they know they see a the accurate across the nation. And so when this came along, we now have it. So we can 
So the PT has the heaviest weight. It's not as much
appropriate and corrective action was as good as it can be. About the question, we are trying to let that concludes our QSPU get together. Thank you very much. So, just quickly, the calendar planning, I believe, was something in the packet. I don't think it's the current version, and I think that Dr. Jamaluddin and the Kauri team are working on system planning for these meetings. If you have things you really want to hear about, I'm sure that they would like to. I did want to say we've been talking about the retreat in October, and it would be my desire to have us have a much larger system calendar for the board so that at finance we know what kind of things are coming forward in human resources, we know what kind of things in QPSC, so that it isn't um, what I would call a silo calendar where each department, but rather we have a real understanding of what is coming forward as an organization so we're not duplicating. So people who sit more than one committee isn't hearing the same thing twice. And then the determination of planning, I agree with something in the packet. I don't come to the current version because it's a bad thing. So after retreat, that would be one of my desires. So that doesn't preclude you guys from coming up with QPSC coming up with things that you think are important. But well, I, I, I really did want to say we were talking about the retreat in October document, and so it would be my desire the first course of the to have us have a much larger system calendar for the board, so that the finance would know what kind of things are coming forward, and human resources would know what kind of things are coming to us. So that it isn't what I would call a silo calendar where each department, but rather we have a real understanding of what is coming forward as an organization, so we're not duplicating. So people who sit absorbing more than one committee isn't hearing the same thing twice. And then the determination of what things are critical enough to come to the full board because it's important for the whole board to hear. So after the treat, that would be one of my desires. So that doesn't preclude you guys from coming up and it should be occurring that um, although I think we're progressing along well, we have to, I'd like to really, if there are unique things to San Leandro and Alameda hospitals, that we will, that we try and tease those out and bring them specifically to the board because absorbing everything into the system, it makes it, it makes it more difficult to really get a flavor of what goes on specifically in those hospitals. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I, I mean, quality, quality and safety really is, is the goal, and we want to see it, you know, uh, in a very, and connecting the dots in terms of having a more big, like, broad pictures of, of things, and, and that will, will allow us to strategize accordingly. So I appreciate the comment. Okay. Thank you. Um, a, a report from legal counsel. So the uh, committee met in closed session and approved the uh, credentialing report from each of the medical staff to ignore their action. Thank you. Is there any request for public comment? No. All right. We are adjourned. Thank you very much. Thank you.